Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special FinTech Insider interviews. Today, David Brewer and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to an absolute legend, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary, thanks for joining us. It's amazing to, to meet you. Thanks for having me. I, uh, my mom is going to be very happy that you said the word legend. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll help to spread. Thank you. Um, Actually, and leading on to that, sure. there are plenty of people in our audience who know you already. But so, many don't uh, as well. Many don't. Yes. Can you give us the, the pitch, the story? Sure. Thanks everyone for listening. I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur is probably the best way to set it up, but, but not the current entrepreneur that puts it in their Instagram profile. The one that's 41 years old and has been selling stuff since he was five years old. The one that failed all his classes for real, even though he was an immigrant from the Soviet Union and immigrants' normal way out is, uh, is education. Somebody who couldn't like push against his natural wants and needs to sell baseball cards at 12 and make two, three thousand dollars a weekend and will never be that rich again. Um, and then one who's very fortunate because his parents are his hero and they worked very, very hard and saved every, every dollar uh, when they came to America. And then my dad bought a small liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey and built up a great business um, and, uh, and dragged me into it when I was 14, 15. And somewhere around 1996, I launched one of the first five e-commerce wine businesses in America. And over the next decade, my dad and I built up that business from a four to a $60 million business. And I've, uh, I'm very proud of that. And for most people in my family and my network and my friends and my acquaintances and my teachers, through a couple of articles in the Wall Street Journal and the AP, and through that success, they kind of thought I made it. But for me, that's just when I started. And um, my, my career took a real pivot at the end of that run because of YouTube. YouTube came out and I decided to start a wine show on it that went very viral. And, and that was the culmination of that past decade which was the way I built Wine Library was through e-commerce, first of all, just being strategically correct about that. But then from an a execution standpoint, it was email marketing, 90% open rates, in 1997, which is unheard of. It was Google AdWords, the day it came out for five cents a click. It was banner ads that would get 10% click through because banner ads were new on the internet. It was a lot of things before they were things and when you do things before they're things, you get way more value out of them than when they are things. And so when YouTube sold to Google for $1.7 billion, I realized this talent I had could be used for way more than selling a couple more bottles of Bordeaux and I decided to become an investor. And so uh, in 2007, 8, 9, 10, I made a lot of good investments. My first three investments were Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter. It's a nice place to start, yeah, well done. <laughs> it will never get better. Uh, I went on to invest in Birchbox and Venmo and Snapchat and Pinterest and, and Uber. Some of those that I mentioned a little bit in the later rounds, so not quite the impact that I got from the early days, but did quite well, made a lot of money, which was great. Uh, in my great ambition to buy my American football team, the New York Jets. And then, uh, and then we're sitting here in my London office of a company called VaynerMedia in uh, spring of 2009. My brother AJ and I started VaynerMedia, a, what is now amounted to a full service uh, digital agency, creative media, Alexa skills, you know, uh, Vayner experience for, for activations at live events, uh, Vayner beta for businesses that wanna spend 25,000 a month instead of the millions that our clients spend. So, 
and I've grown that business from a, a zero to a $130 million a year business in a, in a six year period, so that's great. And then earlier this year, I bought a company called PureWow, purewow.com, a publishing, female publishing company, uh, and I've started my publishing ambitions, and, and with the acquisition of PureWow, decided to create a holding company called VaynerX, that houses uh, VaynerMedia and PureWow. Ryan Harwood and Mary Kay continue to run PureWow, but I sit kind of like on a board level there, and along the way wrote four New York Times bestselling books and built a personal brand online, Gary VEE, that uh, has close to 10 million followers across all the social networks and I produce an enormous amount of content, uh, a daily podcast called The Gary V Experience and a daily vlog on YouTube and Facebook called Daily V. And uh, that was a nice so long-winded been, been answer. Wow. <laughs> you've, you've been busy, right? <laughs> I've been busy. You know, I, you know, it's funny. It takes so long to create the context. And the reason, I apologize for everybody sitting through that, but I do think that uh, the majority of you don't know who I am. And I think, you know, for me, that's less of bragging and more of, like, context, right? Like, I think if I could get anything across in this, in this conversation, and we'll go into the details that you guys want me to answer, but it's just work. Like, there's just no shortcuts. It's a marathon. You know, like, it's a ton of work. It's, a, it's, it's about being right. I love when people are like, well, you've gotta be smart, not just, right, work hard. Oh yeah, Gary, but you gotta work smart. I'm like, no shit, dick. Like, yes, of course you have to work smart. Next. The yeah. part that people don't wanna do is work hard. Yeah. Like, the, the smart part is not controllable. Like, either you're smart about your strategy or not. The hard part is controllable. Like, you can work five extra hours a day instead of watching TV or going to the pub. Yeah, can work on the weekends like I did for every single year of my 20s, all of them. Every year of my 20s I worked on Saturday for 14 hours in the liquor store. I don't know, nobody who in my company works on Saturday ever. So like, you know, I think, uh, anyway. The harder you work, the luckier you get, right? It's an amazing correlation, isn't it? And I think actually connected with that, one of the one of the metaphors I hear you use a lot is about you day trading attention. Yes. And that that's, you know, day trading is a always watching, always playing, always looking for that next opportunity, which against a traditional marketing background or even the sort of new in vogue growth hacking seems a very sort of powerful metaphor for always watching, always looking for that edge. Yeah, I think that's a very smart observation on your part. I think that that's exactly right. I. Uh, I'm spending an enormous time, amount of time right now trying to figure out Alexa Voice and Google Home. I'm spending an enormous amount of time figuring out, holy shit, people are going to football matches, going to Coachella, going to the Rugby World Championship, hiking, taking the train and going to Paris because they want to take a picture and put it on their Instagram. Like we are literally doing things now to make a point to paint a picture publicly. So I think as a marketer, okay, if people are now gonna do more things, isn't activating for your company at a rugby world championship, at a Coachella, or at a vineyard in Tuscany, a good idea more than it was four years ago? The answer is yes. So whether it's digital or whether it's um, traditional, when I day trade attention, it's attention. It's not the newest app. It's what the hell are people doing, right? And so everybody listening to this right now is watching television with their cell phone. Like that's important to understand. That means commercials are overpriced, you know? And so 
these are the things I think about, these are the trends I pay attention about, and then I tr- pay attention to trends like kombucha, or yoga, or meditation, or tight jeans, or sneakers, or Russ the Rapper, like, it's just culture trading, and it manifests into me on how I produce content. Listen, there's not an accident behind my hyper growth of my micro internet fame. I didn't stumble into it. As, as a matter of fact, I think most people don't understand is that most people don't really love me at first because I come off aggressive. I think, I'm not so sold how many people are listening right now that are like, this, this guy's a lot. Like, <laughs> like, I actually have to win twice because a lot of times I lose 30 or 40% on first impression. Now I win 50, I'm like, yeah, that energy and that. So I think it's probably net, net good. But, you know, I, uh, I'm obsessed with consumer attention. It's why I worry about a lot of digital marketers because they're very quant-based and they're in transactional behavior. They're in landing page optimization. They're in top of funnel behavior. They're in quant conversion. They're in last click attribution. They're in landing page this, that, the other thing. And that's great if you care about six months and a year. But that is disastrous if you care about six years or a decade. I mean, we, we do a lot of work with banks and it seems that people people in like the big business are insulated away from consumers, both in terms of where their attention is, but the, rea- the brutal realities of their life. Like what is it we should be building because I understand what Jane or Sarah or, or Sam you know, is like. You're the CEO of a bank, you've got a different perspective on the world, right? You know, how do you get into the, the views of the customer? I have good news, that's not just a bank issue, that's a corporate world issue. Yes, it is why big companies fail. When you're a big ass company, and you have all those resources, you should not fail. You fail because the leader navigates this big boat into an iceberg. That iceberg is called audacity, lack of giving a fuck, only worried about your stock options, not actually caring about the business because you're only gonna be there for four years, not being smart in the trenches because you've become too fancy schmancy, politics, worried about your board and not your customer, and a million other things I could do here for the rest of this podcast. So a big company's doomed? <laughs> you get to that kind of innovator's dilemma thing. The- of course big companies are doomed. The good thing for big companies is a lot of times they have an 80 year run and a lot of people make a lot of money along the way. But sure, what big company hasn't lost? So I guess, you, I mean, VaynerMedia. Right? I mean, let, yeah, that's yeah. a very important statement. Like, yeah. like, like Woolworths, IBM, like, like, and IBM's still kicking. It's not like it's dead, but Woolworths is it? Like, like, and, and IBM is not what IBM was in 1979. Uh, Microsoft is not what Microsoft was in 1992. You know, Google is not what Google was in 2001. Like, why did Google let Facebook happen? Right? You know, I mean, I don't think people get it. Like, of course that's what happens. So what brings that about then? Is it so success? You know, because people Complacency. get- Complacency. But like, to your point though, you've got smart people, you've got loads of money, you know, as a, they don't care an about IBM business. or a Microsoft. They or don't care what? about their legacy. Yeah. They care about money. So that's leadership then, really? A hunt, always. Yeah. This is, anybody who fails, number one and number 10 and number 100's fault is the CEO. The end. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. 
opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just won Reader's Choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. So you've got big corporate clients across yes. the world. Yes. And you're at one, on one side helping them get attention. Are yes. you helping them with culture change as well? Are you not trying yet. to wake them no, up? No, we're not. We're not. We're helping them through culture change if they're paying attention to my personal content or if they've spent a lot of time at VaynerMedia and see how we do it. And the truth is, none of them are actually doing that at any kind of scale. So no, we haven't gone into, and you know, it's, it's funny you brought that up and it's a good obs- another nice observation by you. I've, I have thought about the last couple of years like, oh shit, I'm gonna build a billion dollar company and then I'm actually gonna sell Boston Consulting, Bain, McKinsey-like consulting products to what Claude and I and the rest of the organization are doing to transformation, you know, our EQ leading management style is probably gonna end up being another billion dollar business by accident in my 50s to 60s. Yeah, I mean, if people were smart about their internal culture, they would make a lot more money the problem is it takes a longer bet. The problem is a lot of CEOs are only running their companies for three, four, five years, and you don't really get the fruits of the, of the execution until around three, four, five, six, and you actually have short-term losses while you're getting to three, four, five, six. I've run on far less profit over the last three years of building this company than had I run it the way most corporate people do, and I wouldn't have the benefit of my EBITDA that most corporate people get bonused on. Mm. And so I'm empathetic to why most people don't build what I build, but that's why they lose in a 15-year macro and entrepreneurs like me win in a 15-year macro. So I think that's for me where the, almost a disconnect between the success of Gary V and your brand around this, it is you, or with brutal authenticity. It's about connecting with reality and then the you know, the what you do for big corporates where it has to be a veneer in some, in some ways. It's not, you know, it's not depth stuff. So how do they, how do big companies, large corporates do authentic, you know, marketing get out there? Do they? They no. don't. They don't. Show me. I don't live in fantasy land. Doesn't happen. There's not a single client that does the work that I want them to do. Yet? <laughs> Period. Because look, first of all, if you're in client services, it will never happen. Yeah. Like anybody who cries about that in client services should get out of client services. Like I hate when people are like, oh, the client doesn't get it. This sucks, they're stupid. I'm like, you're stupid. But I guess that's, that's for us, you know, where that gap is. You know, we're, we're building a consulting company, we've got great clients, but the power of the podcast and actually having a few beers and talking to a CEO or the, regulate, the financial regulator and it being us has just been amazing for business development. Go figure. Because the people we are are the people they work with and suddenly you're in a, you're in a room I mean, talking look, to you, them. you know this is my spiel. I, I mean, you guys know this. A lot of you don't know this. I know these guys know it. You have to become the media company. It's the leverage. 
You guys, have, you guys have figured it out. And for scale as well, you know, actually being in a position where, you know, you can only stand up at so many conferences, you can only sort of uh, do so many interviews, but, but actually in terms of reaching a global audience like you're doing, then that, that's the way to do it, right? And we've been talking about how like B2B... By the way, everybody's listening, I'm just making a face. <laughs> and my face is like, listen, I, again, I actually know a lot of you don't know me. I have been on a 10-year mission and been very articulate for the last four years on... 10 years ago I wrote a book, nine years ago I wrote a book called Crush It. It spoke to this. It was very manifested against the personal brand. Somewhere around three to four years ago I started articulating, do this as a business, become a media. I believe that everybody who's listening now is a media company first, comma, you have whatever you do. You're a florist, you're a consultant, you're a production video producer, whatever you are, and I think you guys have gone and run with that, and it is shocking what it means. Absolutely. In fact, we've been talking about how B2B, in the traditional way of run a conference, put a white paper to out, all that kind of stuff. Fucking bullshit booths, mag- a print ad in the B2B magazine that nobody gives a fuck about. Yeah, this is 10 times better. Yeah, it's B2B is B2C now for It's us. always been. It's just that people are lazy and not, and not taking advantage of opportunities. The, the build on top of what you're doing here, if I ran your company, is definitely the podcast, comma, Make the one minute, 38 second video on Facebook that looks like the office. Make a scene from a bank, the typical bank people talking to each other, make it funny, put it on Facebook, deploy it against employees of banks and watch more leads come in. <laughs> Sounds like good fun, we should do that. I think. You guys should, if you've, and the reason I'm, t- I'm actually, this, uh, you know, again, if you're listening at home, I know it's being caught on video, I'm now more telling you this than being in this interview. Yeah, yeah. Because if you were smart enough to take this leap, well then take the risk of $25,000, make the video, spend the ads on Facebook, deploy them against employees of, make the whole ad push to, who, who are you guys trying to reach in your business? The CEO, the CMO, the CIO, the who? Those guys, the essentially the decision makers at banks. And the, the bizarre thing is the, the, the podcast is reaching those guys. We, we go and, you know, we go into meetings and it feels like they know us already. It's a bit bizarre with that sort of relationship side of things. I mean, people hand me million dollar scopes and then ask for a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> Building brand is brand. So how do, can a large company make do you know that? Many, do you know how many times, I apologize, I'll go back to that. Do you know how many times a client will sit in a pitch? It'll happen twice today. And they'll, I'll go through the thesis and they'll go, yeah, but, you know, what about like, conversion based, like how do we know this works? And then I literally go, let me ask you a question. Why are we sitting here? And they'll inevitably be like confused. And I go, how did you come to VaynerMedia? Why are we in this room? Oh, well I saw, and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> what did you expect then, right? Like, <laughs> like you are here about to give me your money because of brand, and I'm trying to have you do it and yet you wanna do sales. So can big businesses do it? Of course they can. The creative output has to be valuable to the customer. It doesn't have to be authentic. You know why brands struggle with being authentic? They want to sell shit and they're uncomfortable in admitting it. I'm not. I'm super excited for November and December of this year where I'm gonna be pushing the living shit out of my new book called Crushed It and be like it's the best and buy fucking 14 and I'll give you 14 (laughs) seconds and buy 99 and I'll send a kiss to your grandma and buy 106 of them and show up to my aunt. Like I don't give a shit. Like don't buy it. 
Like, and when people are like, oh, Gary Vee, you've changed. You've been promoting shit. I'm like, I haven't changed. It's, this is my cadence. I will give you everything I've got for free for 18 months at a time, and then once in a while I've got something to sell and I'm not bashful, I'm proud of it. It's a $20 book, it's really valuable. Millions of people have been impacted and at least tens of thousands have actually done something about what I say and have had hugely good things happen. If that's not worth 18 bucks, respect, but like, I also know you're buying $1,000 courses that are worth zero. So do you think it's that transparency then? You know, this 100%. Is, you know, we're not seeing that in big brands in terms of, you know, because- Look, I think we see it at times. I think it's easy for us to say that it's not. It's just their version of it. It's easier for us to be more trans. Do you know how hard it is for me to do this vlog? 90% of my meetings are talking about raises and clients and salaries and firing and strategizing about clients' work. Uh, you know, There's a PR headache we have with a client right now. People are mad at me. I can't speak to it. I'm legally obligated. Like, you know, it's gonna happen to you. You can't say everything. <laughs> I, I do love the authentic, like I, I listen, you know, we, we listen to your, your stuff uh, quite, a, quite a bit, I have to say, and uh, you know, I, I haven't listened to somebody have their hair cut before, but actually you managed to make that really, really interesting, <laughs> so, uh, so well done. You know what it is? As long as I'm talking during that haircut and bringing you value, like you, you know, then we'll win, right? Yeah. And by the way, escapism matters too. For everybody listening right now, if you don't have the chops that maybe we have about our skill or our craft, you could just be a reality star for a few minutes. Like people are just interested in people. It's just real. Like, you know, the vlog's been interesting to me. It is really an interesting piece of content because I treat it as something that I would have made for the 15 year old me, right? Like I learn by watching. Like people are like, Gary, you're, you know, somebody stopped me in the street yesterday in London and was like, Gary, you're getting too motivational, I need more details. Like you're getting away from who you are. I'm like, you're getting confused. This is who I am. You need to watch what I'm doing. I say it, you know, I say it a lot, right? Watch what I'm doing. Why am I doing this podcast? You don't have, a, you don't have one of the five biggest podcasts in the world. All my handlers think this is the biggest waste of 30 minutes ever. This is critiqued as a bad idea. Now let's break down why I'm doing it. I think karma is practical. I like giving back to my community. I think it's ROI positive. Do I think you have a million fucking people listening to this? No, I do not. Do I think that 13 people have never heard of me before listen to this and get on to me? I sure do. Do I think in a 15 year window that that becomes valuable in my 30 minutes? Because my 30 minutes are probably worth $100,000 now. Um, yeah, I do in 15 years. Do I think in the next 15 weeks? I don't. 15 months? Nope. 1.5 years? Probably not. That's it. Sure. That's how I think about the world. And that's that sort of almost dichotomy, that whole on one, you know, you talk about clouds and, uh, and dirt. dirt. Yes. You know, that whole on one hand, the big picture, like the biggest picture, yes. the legacy, yes. the huge stuff. Yes. And at the same time, confronting the tiny details and the tactics and doing today. Yes. Like everyone seems to be in the middle a lot of the time. Yes. Um, how do you carry both of those things at the same time yes. or do you flip between? No, them? I carry them. And how, how do you do that? Talent of natural DNA that was given to me. And then figuring it out somewhere along the line. And then once you, you know, it's amazing. Once you figure something out, you start compounding it if you know it's good. But sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it. You know that piece of advice I gave in that one interview, uh, document versus create. Changed the game for so many. Emails every day. 
for everybody listening right now, I said something to a young man, it's actually titled Advice to a Young Man on YouTube, and in there I said, you need to document, not create. And what I meant was everybody should be vlogging and producing content always every day, but everybody overthinks it. That's why podcasts are great. You have a guest, you're done, it's easy, right? It's a great format. Uh, for, for a vlog though, or if you're carrying it yourself, hard. And so everybody's trying to make something, and I'm saying document. Like, I don't know, document. That's it, it's just the truth. Like, you take the phone, flip it, and be like, walking the dog, bought a newspaper, you know, Chelsea won the match, drank the spirit sucked, job sucks, hate my girlfriend, love my girlfriend, like, went to sleep. Like, it's not hard, but you don't think anybody gives a fuck. I just think that people do. And I also think by accident, you may say one thing, and it can change everything. And that's just interesting. But there's that, I guess, that fear, that vulnerability, that I don't want, I want this veneer, I don't want to show people the stuff I'm going through. Insecurity. Yeah. And everybody has it. And some people have more of it than others, and I'm empathetic to that. And then thus, you don't win. That's fine. What's the alternatives? I guess most, most people don't think they have an audience. I guess that's, that's the challenge. Yeah, right? most so, people don't have enough, they don't feel like they deserve it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you, if you start and a video gets 14 views, you know, we've been very lucky, I think, with what we're doing. We've got hundreds of thousands of people listening to this in terms of doing stuff and, you know, globally in a, in a, in a frame. So we, we kind of feel like we've got a, a right to go out and talk to people. Yeah, but the but, first episode you didn't. No. Exactly, when that's the thing, and it's, but it's momentum, isn't it? You know, of so. Of course, like, like nine people watched the first episode of Wine Library TV. Like, nobody gave a shit for a year and a half. Yeah. I was on, I was on YouTube before anybody knew what YouTube was. Like, I, I, listen, I'm in a funny place. I do things before the medium's even respected. Yeah. Like, it's one thing now to be like scared to like have, go on YouTube. It's whole another thing when like nobody's even there and believing in it. I get it, man. I'm very, very, very empathetic. Uh, it's what makes me a good salesman. I understand why people won't do anything we're talking about here. I just want to remind those people that that then eliminates their ability to complain because their actions aren't speaking. And so they would rather sit with their loser friends and share a beer and say how everything is bad than do something about it. And by the way, that's fine too. Like, I don't know, like what are we doing here? Like most people die with massive amounts of regret. And I'll have my fair share because we all do. I just like to have less. So, so how do you find people? Because obviously you guys are kind of building up lots of different companies. How do you find people who, I, I guess, take that ethos forwards? You know, how do you recruit the right types of people to By to firing start? more than overthinking about hiring. Yeah, okay. By going on intuition. And then when we're wrong, helping them exit doing the right thing. We have something called the alumni program where we help them get other jobs. Like we're not trying to be bad. I don't want this to sound crass. It's not hire if I, it's not a machine. I'm emotional about this stuff. It takes me four months to fire somebody. You know, like I'm terrible at it actually. I dwell, it's a real weakness of mine actually. So I'm crippled by it, but it still doesn't take away the fact that there's no way to know. Everybody is their most PR'd, most facade version during the interview process. And no matter, and I have really good intuition and EQ and I've not been able to be anywhere close to perfect. So I definitely don't believe anybody on my team has it down. Everybody has this pride of like, I'm so good at, you're so good at my ass. So the, the scaling the business, does everyone want you? It's like VaynerMedia, right, where's Gary turning up no. and, and how does that work? Uh, let me phrase, sure. There's nothing that we indicate that means you're getting me. Cool. And there's no way the company would be, at this point, a lot of people want the company because where we get most of our business from is either me giving a speech 
or me doing an interview and it leads to biz dev, then they want me in the first one. But my opening, like I make it very clear, like this may be the only time you ever see me. Mm-hmm. And so like if that's what we're doing here, pay me $150,000 to give a speech instead of, you know, like that, we can do that. Yeah. But now the far majority of our business comes from clients that go to other places and want Vayner to work with them because they know Vayner's good. And that's the thing, that's sustainable, isn't it? In terms yeah, of that's, it that's what you dream of, right? That's the only reason I built it, because I knew that was achievable. So, so how, how do you actually fit all of this in then? Because it sounds like you've got maybe four or five different jobs and you've got the media side. I have you... one job. I'm the CEO of VaynerMedia. What I think I do well is I document versus create. So when DRock's following me around, I have a vlog every day, that's big. When the team watches the whole video and takes 11 of my quotes out of it and sends me a, t- I mean, I'll literally show you, you'll find this fascinating, I think this is fascinating. There, I really think that we have figured out how to produce content at an efficiency that hasn't been seen before because we're making it up. But like literally, this is what happens. I will get a text from somebody on the team and these are literally 11 things that I said, nice. right? Because everything's being captured. I then, as you can see, approve only five, eight, and 11 of the 11. So only three of them I like enough, as I would say them on Instagram. Then, a couple hours later, they come through. Very nice. Got it? And then this gets posted by my hands, on my Instagram, and then I engage. That's a big deal. So I think what I figured out was the paradigm of if I vlog everything, then I've got the top of funnel creative, then I'll build an infrastructure that allows it to bleed down into the creative micro pieces, and then I know how to use distribution, things of that nature, and when I say that very quickly, it just means I just believe in Instagram and Facebook more than you do. There's just nobody listening right now that believes in it more than I do. I believed in it earlier, I believe in it harder, and when I see something working, I go all in. How many podcasts do you guys do? Once a week, once a month, what's your Three story? times a week. Right, what's wrong with five? Right, and by the way, that was really impressive because that's a lot. So you're really, you're-, you're, you're Bags under my eyes right now. <laughs> but that's super impressive. Like, like, I'm a little bit pissed because I was trying to make a point and you fucked me up. <laughs> Thank God there's five days in a week. <laughs> I would hit you with a seven if you gave me that. The punchline is that's fucking cool, man, and that speaks probably to why so much good stuff is happening. And people are like, oh, my podcast is not working. I get that email. Gary, you said podcasts are a big thing next thing. My podcast is not working. Once in a blue moon out of 100 of those, I'll go look at it, I'll click it. I'm like, okay, you've done four in nine months, so I'll write back, bro, you've done four in nine months. By the way, I listened to the first three minutes, you kind of suck. Like, it's just because, you know, like, listen, here's a good strategy. Become a world-class singer. It's a good idea and financially smart to become a massive pop star. I think you should become Beyonce and Rihanna. That is a good strategy. Now what? Right, like that's what's happening with entrepreneurship. You don't get to become a successful entrepreneur because you put it on your business card. This is execution and talent. The key is self-awareness and figuring out what you're good at and what you like enough to do it every goddamn day. That's the real secret to this whole thing. And so I like being a businessman and that's why it's actually working. So we, it's been amazing to have our $100,000 session. Um, we got loads of big banks that listen and the kind of decision makers there. Like, how do they connect with you or with VaynerMedia? What's the problem that you solve for them? We're reverse engineers. The problem we solve for them is their problem. Chase is a client of ours in the US, right? Like, 
they're huge. They have a million problems. And when I say problems, the truth is, and I'm sure you guys feel this way, they have a million opportunities, right? Do they want people to open up bank accounts? Great, there's a strategy for that. Do do they want to recruit talent? I mean, I would tell you a lot of people who are listening right now, the biggest thing I think, so we have a division called Vayner Solutions. It's run by Dog, Dennis Dennis OG. I can't even pronounce, I'm Russian and can't pronounce his last name. You know, when I think about the $150,000 audit that we're selling, because we're not Bain or McKinsey yet, and we would normally, you know, in four years we're gonna sell, what what I'm about to tell you, we would sell for $150,000. A bank listening would reach out to us and say, hey, we want you to audit our ability to acquire better talent for our bank from a technology and innovation, not developers, but marketers and executives who have digital DNA so that our bank can survive this inevitable death blow that whether it's cryptocurrency or Apple and Google and Amazon and Facebook's foray into their world, this is what's gonna happen to them. Well, when I think about the $150,000 package we play for the audit and then the output and the advice and the presentation, that is ridiculous ROI. I also am empathetic to why they don't see that. And then I'm excited for them to not buy it now but buy it for a million dollars in four years. But like that's something I think a lot of like banks and B2B companies should be hiring us for. And then the, and then the video output, right? Like I, I just think nobody makes the modern day commercial better than my company. Like if you wanna spend $300,000 to make something happen, I think our $150,000 video and our $150,000 Facebook ads and influencers on Instagram will give you a better chance than any Google or programmatic, any commercial, any print. So that's what we strive to do. Gary, it's been amazing to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. 